Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. This is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I'm going to go ahead and just give it to you straight. This is part two of our Star Trek The Next Generation delving in deep with my good friend Kelsey. Uh, If you heard the first part of this episode, uh, we split it up so that you would get the full content without having to worry about sitting through an entire two-hour podcast just to get to your favorite episode. Uh, We're only discussing two episodes. We named them in the last one. But yeah, I recommend going back and listening to that first episode if you hadn't. I already heard it, but either way, thank you for sticking around. Cool. All right. So let's talk about the host. Yes. And Riker's constant need to kill himself, I guess. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Oh, Riker. So immediately, when they open the episode and they've got Beverly Crusher making out with this alien dude... And I realize it was the hairstyle of the time, but my immediate thought is, is Crusher making out with a woman? It's like, nope, okay, never mind. Nope, it's just the hairstyle. Nope, it's just the style of the time. Uh, And then immediately Data comes in. Uh, So I'll, before I get into the specifics, why don't we kind of sum up the episode? Okay. Uh, So basically, Beverly Crusher is totally crushing on a dude. Uh, Yeah, no, it was... Terrible joke. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I was going to let you have it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. No, no, no. Let's, let's call it out. No, but uh, Beverly Crusher is uh, macking on a dude, and she's totally into him. They are going to uh, an alien race who is in a embroiled in a civil war. Uh, so these two, this race is fighting one another, and uh, this person that Beverly Crusher is totally into has to be the peacemaker the ambassador the ambassador ambassador odan and so ambassador odan goes to uh be shuttled down to have peace talks because he refuses to be uh beamed down and again i'm terrible at star trek language uh so <laughs> he he refuses to be teleported down yeah i mean you say yeah. beaming they say yeah. beaming okay. that's the slang for the transporter <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. So he, uh, so he refuses to be teleported down, won't say why specifically, but it's just, no, 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 okay, all right, fine. So they go to bring him down uh, via shuttle. The shuttle gets attacked, and during the attack, it's revealed that uh, Odan is hurt, and he's basically about to die, and his this thing inside him, which they reveal is a uh, essentially the form that has been talking is not truly Odan. Odan is a parasite uh, that lives within a symbiote, and they have a relationship. The symbiote and parasite have a relationship that is totally cool amongst their races. Right. So it's a the. They actually use the term symbiont. Oh, okay. Which I and I was saying symbiote, uh, hmm. symbiote as well. I actually looked up the difference. A symbiote can refer 
to the the smaller creature inside the larger creature and it can either be a parasite which is you know getting an advantage to the host's detriment hmm. or it can be a symbiotic relationship the term symbiont can actually in science refer to either member as long as it is an equitable partnership so they talk about host and symbiont but the idea is that it's not a parasitical relationship it's actually hmm. an equal conjoining um so like there's the host is one personality and odan is another personality okay yeah no, thank you for clearing that up because yeah i it's confusing yeah but... um they actually go on to talk about this race mm. the trill in um later star trek in because uh, i hear it comes back in deep space, deep space nine, nine. Yeah. yes deep space yeah. nine you have the character mm -hmm. of uh dax mm. is a trill um and they and they get into it a little bit more, but I believe they do say in this episode specifically that it is a, a an equitable partnership mm. uh, that benefits both species. Mm. But uh, so in this, uh, since uh, Odan's form is damaged, the uh, uh, symbiote has to be put into another host. Riker, of course, jumps ahead <laughs> before anything else is said. Like, we got to put it in another host. I'm in! It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Riker, Riker, no. Yeah. It's like, when is the when is a real host body going to be here? It's about 40 hours. I'm still in. Put that inside me. I don't care. It's like, <laughs> it could kill you. I don't care. Just put it inside me. I am Riker. Uh, so, <laughs> I just want to do, just, do you have expired mayonnaise? I will eat that. I am Riker. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> so they put the uh, so they put Odan inside of Riker, uh, and Riker acts as Odan would, uh, including having this intense feeling for Beverly Crusher. Crusher is feeling all sorts of wonky because she doesn't know how she feels about uh, Odan being in not only another form but a form that she's friendly with, uh, and. No one else other than kind of data really knows that they're having any kind of thing, so it's especially a little weird because yeah. they don't want to necessarily. Uh, I think Troy figures it out, kind of, yeah. and then Picard kind of figures it out, but he does that same thing he does in the episode. He's like, "If you need to talk, I'm here for you, but I'm not actually going to say anything," mm. kind of thing. Which is even more interesting because throughout the entirety of the series, that's these are the pairings. It's. Picard yes. and Crusher and Troy and uh, and Troy Riker. And so, but and I know I'm kind of I'm still I'm doing a terrible job of wrapping up what the, <laughs> the summary of this episode is. But I find fascinating how well they tackle these characters can have different relationships with other people. Still, kind of, you can see it that they have chemistry and that they have a relationship because it's very clear that they're going for these couples. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so funny with Troy because every time Riker's into anybody, she's like, "You should go for it. Go be happy with that other person." <laughs> and now she's turning around and doing it with Crusher, which is like, "Well, I don't know. Should I have a relationship with Dan while he he's in Riker? I don't know." She's like, "You should go for it if it makes you happy." And you're like, "Diana, don't you care? <laughs> Aren't you mad about?" Like, but, just feel things, David. <laughs> yeah, no. but, uh, Diana, yeah. I'm pronouncing it Diana, wrong. Yeah. Diana. <laughs> Don't yell at me, Trekkies. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. They've given up by now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, but on, these the real Trek fans. No. Um, so, uh, so to make the the explanation of this episode short, uh, the <laughs> Riker with Odan inside him 
uh, broker's piece, and then the vessel that Odan is going to be put into uh, finally shows up, and turns out it's a woman. <gasps> Gasp! So uh, the entire episode ends. Uh, why don't we Why don't we talk a little bit about the episode? We'll talk about the ending afterwards. But okay. that's the basic. That's the 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 basic beats of what happens. Um, I freaking love that Data is a cock blocker. <laughs> I and really like, do. He's, he's like totally has no idea what's going on. <sighs> but, and but that's, I mean, that's the the, the humor of Data is, oh, yeah. is his inability to catch the cues that any human would be like, whoa, you guys were just making out three seconds before I walked in here. Sorry. It's so funny. Like, as you walk away, it's like, no, oh, we should talk about this. It's like, oh. Uh, like, we should talk about this thing. Uh, I forget what it was exactly, but it was like, we should talk about the weather patterns. It's right, like, yeah. Uh, maybe later, Data. It's like, well, now would be a perfect time. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, we should all three of us go together. Data, no. Data, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, Data. Oh, Data. <laughs> He's so sweet. Um, I also, so, because they show that something is not right uh, immediately before the, the, opening, uh, the opening credits. And I love the practical effect. Just right, this sort of like oh. weird bulge coming out of his stomach and moving around, and you're yeah. like, "What the crap? Like, what is <laughs> what that? Is that? Oh. Heads up!" Well, you know, they do a really good job with the sort of dramatic irony of showing us, the audience, that he's hiding something. Hmm. Or, I mean, I don't know if hiding is the right word, but there's something that that is going on here that no one knows hmm. about in his sort of refusal to hmm. to use the transporter. Um, you know, and, and you're like, he's like, oh, well, I just don't like it. And everyone's like, okay, cool. And you're like, yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> we all know that that's a lie. Something's coming up. And, and we get to see that sort of weird, bulgy stomach thing. Mm. And it's fascinating that this whole thing kind of starts as a, a body horror piece, especially because we're we're looking at it from a trans lens. And generally, like, the body horror is something right. that most trans narratives... Uh, uh, basically cling to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it moves away from that. And there's still elements of body horror in it, but it's not like, it does not dominate the entire Right, thing. that's kind of like the weirdest thing that you see is that first image. Yeah. I mean, even when you see the, the symbiont itself, mm-hmm. it's kind of pretty. Like, it looks a little like a slug, but it kind of has like this decorative like gold on top, and you're not like totally frightened by it or anything. It's like a peacock slug. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, okay, like, okay it's, I'm all right. It's, it's like adorable. I don't know how it fit inside Riker, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> Riker, Riker didn't seem to feel any pain. Like, he so doesn't need his intestines. We'll just yeah. put it there. It's like, yeah, just it's in. Just you know, that's all you need to know. It's there. It's in. It's <laughs> doing fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, no, that is like the weirdest moment, and I don't know. Like, what are you supposed to really take from that? Mm. That sort of strange, bulgy thing. Other than, okay, there's something here we don't know about yet. Like, what is the purpose of, of showing us that, I mm. guess? And I think it is also because, especially, like, he's, he starts to say that there are issues uh, that he's feeling early in the piece, which you think immediately is like, oh, it's because of this thing happening inside him. But actually, it's that's technically true because of the, the nature of the, the relationship of uh, both parties Mm -hmm. but at the same time that's actually not even the close to the whole story of what is actually going on yes uh and so i I do think it was a very interesting sort of like oh they're leading us in this direction but it's actually a completely different thing going on um 
I also was really impressed by the whole body autonomy and use of the transporter. Just that idea of, like, I'm not using the transporters, no. And they're like, okay, yep. Right, that's I... sort of, you're, you're right. Even though it's going to be super dangerous to put you in the shuttle mm-hmm. with all these, you know, warring ships or whatever, you have the right to refuse to use the transporter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which like, is right. cool, yeah. Respect, respect. Um... Yeah. <laughs> so I've got because I've got a whole bunch of notes. I didn't know if you had anything specific that you also wanted to bring up uh, while we were talking about, particularly in the beginning. Mm. Um, but this whole so this whole episode to me felt like a binary rom com. <laughs> like just the entire thing was very like uh, what a binary individual someone who's a man or a woman who's writing it, particularly it felt like a man writing a binary rom-com, like, just this idea of, like, what happens when this, oh, I don't know, like, oh, it just feels so good. It's just, like, everything felt like uh, Troy and uh, uh, Crusher at the spa. Like, just so many moments that felt very non-Star Trek Mm -hmm. and very, like, Oh, they're going to go to the spa. Oh, they've got flowers. Oh, they've got, like... Mm-hmm. It just so, like... Well, okay. So, all right. Here's here's an interesting tidbit for you. Apparently, mm. according to the the captain's logs, the unauthorized complete Star Trek voyages, mm-hmm. uh, the original version of the script did not contain the love story. It was... Oh. the poli- The political side of it, mm-hmm. this story of this you know, being who loses his host, which is the visual representation of who they are, Mm -hmm. and then has to go to these warring factions that have only agreed to talk to this specific ambassador and say, look, it's still me. Mm. It's the same person. It was sort of the the political question of that. Mm. And they said, you know what? That's boring. No one's going to care about that. Let's put in this romance with Crusher. That's what makes it a great story. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I have issues with that, but at the same time, I see it. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm sort of torn about this. Yeah. This is kind of what I was alluding to before mm. when I was talking about this sort of like the need to tie it to the personal emotional journey mm. of a crew member. Mm. What happens to the story when the crew is largely observers to the main struggle versus, you know, making this really more about Crusher's struggle even than it is about, you know, the political stuff becomes a background. It's, you know, Mm. you're not that worried about it, really. You're like, oh, no, they're not quite sure that they trust this new face that's Riker somehow. Mm. But it'll be fine, Um, you know, and and you're really saying, well, what is Crusher going to do? Like, how is she going to resolve this emotional issue? Um. And that's how you get this sort of like this rom-com thing, like you say. And we find out there's a salon on the ship, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure we didn't know before right. this episode. And and the sort of personal touches, which I think is really mm. interesting. Uh, don't forget, she's known this guy for 10 days. Yeah. That's the other thing that gets very rom-com-y about it. Yeah. It's like, she's like, I'm so in love with this person. And you're like, this person, you don't even... <laughs> There's, and I forget which, because I just wrote down the quote, I feel like I've known you my whole life, was a line that was said by one of them. I believe it was, mm. I believe it was Crusher. 
uh, it may have been it may have been Odan. Um, yeah. But there that still like there's all those like little things that are so like you've known each other for ten days. But, right, and there's a but, point where she debates with herself if it's love or infatuation. Hmm. But I'm an adult and I can tell the difference. And you're like, that's not quite how infatuation works. But right. okay. Um, <laughs> but it does actually feel like something that Crusher would say very much yeah, like that idea of like well, you, I know myself. No, I know myself. We just and what little experience I do have with Beverly Crusher. Uh, like, she's got a very good sense of, like, I need to be able to do X so that I can do Y, so I need to be able to figure out this feeling that I'm having so that I can continue <laughs> with what I'm doing. Yes, I mean, she's so, very very mm. much the logical, scientific approach to mm. everything, which, you know, definitely does sort of get involved in her romantic relationships and her sort of hesitancy there. So it does mm. make sense for her to sort of take this, trying to analyze it sort of, of tack for sure. Especially once her boyfriend is Riker. Yeah. <laughs> and she's literally talking to Diana and she's like, I don't know, like, he's this person I've known for years. I kind of think of him as my brother. Mm. And, and this sort of, sort of question, which to me, I wasn't quite sure where they were going with this. Because mm. to me, the idea of knowing the host mm. complicates it in a different way than you can change bodies or you can change genders or appearance of gender, Mm. Um, you know. But I don't know that that's something that the writers were going for, but to Mm. me that was that that big thing. It's like I also, if I was in love with someone and suddenly they were inside someone I thought of a brother, would be like, whoa, I don't know how I feel about you now. Yeah. Well, I'm also curious about what your thoughts, because again, like the only one who has any inkling and he really doesn't because he's data, uh, that knows about this relationship is Data. Mm. And so when Odan is in Riker's body, Riker definitely volunteered to potentially die, like he always does. Yep. But he didn't necessarily volunteer romantic interests. Yes. And I <laughs> feel like that gets a little funky. It's a little funky. And yeah. of course, you run into the same sort of 45-minute problem mm. where... We don't really know. Is the host aware? Does the host have control? They later do suggest when they deal with Dax in in Deep Space Nine that that the personality of the being Mm. that is host and symbiont does become a combination of the two. Mm. And also that the symbiont carries on their personalities of previous hosts. Mm. So you get these different blended people each time. Uh, of course, we don't know how much, if any, of these kinds of things were, were conceived for this original thing, but that definitely, for me, was a huge question. I'm like, wait a minute, does Riker know what you're doing? Hmm. Like, it, when it, you're like, out of Riker, is he going to remember that? That's right. another thing. It's just like, like, okay. And why wouldn't Beverly think of that, mm. you know, which struck me as, as really strange. Mm. I mean, I, it would make much more sense to me that she would spend the entire time waiting for the new host, trying to figure out how she feels about the, what this being is, mm. and then wanting to be prepared for the new host to come, and then say, okay, this is the decision I've made, rather mm. than, I think I'll have sex with Riker. Which is weird. Yeah. No, I thought that was weird. <laughs> yeah. And that was my my, my mm. same initial reaction was, mm. does Riker know what's going on? Is he cool with it? Mm. Which I guess, what they do in D- Deep Space Nine, we would say yes, that he would be in some kind of 
joined dialogue mm. with Odan and would consent to that, which isn't out of character for Riker. You could definitely see yeah, him just no, being Riker, like, yeah, right again, like, yeah. he's like, oh, I'll just volunteer to be the host. Oh, yeah, just sleep with her. I don't care. Like, whatever. Yeah, I never thought of Riker as Kirk until you pointed that out. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's okay. fine. Like, okay. Yeah. Hey, this is you, buddy. You go right ahead. Yeah, right, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, so he definitely, know, yeah. he, he does have that tendency, yeah. but we don't know. <laughs> and, and that is a really, like, big question that they don't engage with at all. The sort of idea of consent and hmm. awareness. And now looking at it particularly from a lens of, you know, obviously, like I say, we're looking at it from a trans lens. There were a number of quotes in here that just immediately stuck me as like, ah, like, uh, but were dealt with very interestingly, like, uh, maybe you should have told me what you were, uh, and I don't know who you are. Yes. Which is why, because this was the one that I suggested, uh, based on stuff that I had read online that said this was, this episode has issues with transphobia, uh, and it was for a lot of these reasons where, uh, it's more, I don't know, because I almost feel like all of this wasn't horribly done but at the same time it's there are definitely a lot of missed opportunities in a lot of ways mm -hmm. in the episode oh actually let me backtrack for a second okay. because there was a whole thing that just felt very i could not stop thinking that this was definitely written by just like some cis dude and i'm sure it was I, it yeah, was yeah <laughs> but it was uh the first man i loved was my father Oh god, that was so weird. Like, oh, this is awkward. No. This no. is awkward. And right. then was... they're talking about they're trying to analyze this very complex mm -hmm. relationship issue by talking about a six year old crush and a father daughter mm -hmm. relationship. Mm. Very weird. Which that six year old crush really messed with my head because I had and I know part of it was they didn't necessarily maybe I missed where she initially said that she was six at the time. Oh, she didn't. It's supposed to okay. be a joke. You're supposed to get the yeah. reveal and laugh. Oh yeah, I and I kind of laughed, but it was just like, like how many kids? Because she's like, we have three kids, and she doesn't mention Wesley, and <laughs> yeah. she's like, what happened? Uh, yeah. Whoa! How old is Beverly Crusher? What is going on? Why haven't we seen these other kids? <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. all we've seen is Wesley. <laughs> Suddenly, it's like, geez, like yeah, oh, you no. were six. Yeah, no, it was supposed to be like a clever reveal yeah. where there's like. Here's this picture they painted. Of course, I was six and he was mm -hmm. eight. It was a playground thing, and then everybody chuckles mm -hmm. and like uh, Troy chuckles. Yeah. And, and it was cute. I did think that that was funny. At the same yeah, time, no, I was like, "Wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. me, yeah. show, good job." Like, you, you definitely got me there. <laughs> but again, I don't see what this has to do with your complex adult relationship either, yeah. unless you're saying that maybe it was infatuation the whole time. Mm. But that doesn't really seem like where she's going with it. Yeah. But this um this idea, this 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 thing that you said about about mm. hiding something. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. Mm. And I even said it without meaning to just earlier when I was talking. Yeah. We know from the from the start he's hiding something. Was the was the actual words that I used and I think it's because the show leads you mm. to be suspicious of him. And he certainly you know, he does say, I just don't like the transporter. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, like, I have a, a symbiote. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that he should. Mm. But it does it does sort of lead you to a certain suspicion of him right off the bat that mm. I think fits very well to what you're saying about this sort of idea of, of, of a transphobic feel to it. Mm. You know, 
we don't necessarily have a right to know anything or expect to know anything about him. Like, why should he have to tell her that he's a symbiote or whatever? On the other hand, you know, then you get into the medical issue of they want to transport him and he's just like, well, no, I don't want to. And, and like mm. this sort of this this complex question or I mean, it's not really complex. Like, mm. I don't think you should he should have to say anything, but you are you are getting into that that dialogue that people always have like why didn't you tell me before we had sex why didn't you tell me before we went on a third date or whatever your mm. arbitrary i need to know by this time is and that's the same thing that she sort of gives him like why mm. you know why didn't i know this <laughs> you're different than i thought and like why would it be odan's what's that word uh, obligation. Why wouldn't yes. it, like why would it be Odan's obligation to walk up to everyone and say, "Hi, how's it going? I'm a symbiote." Yeah, right. I got a symbiote in me. I'm just the host. That's the host <laughs> is who you're talking to. Right. Like, that's yeah, right. Like, exactly. Like mm-hmm. it, whose business is that? Like nobody's really. Yeah. Um, until you know becomes medically necessary for Crusher to remove the symbiote so that it survives, mm-hmm. um, or he survives rather. But the thing that I keep coming up against is. I mean, from my perspective, like, what is the really actually weird thing about this? Mm. The host is a person. Mm. Again, we meet the new host at the end Mm. who, you know, has a consciousness and speaks and does everything. It's not like the host is an empty shell. Right. And that's not what Crusher is complaining about. Mm. Crusher seems to accept, okay, Odan is the symbiont, and that's the... But they, they change. So the point was that it was just a shell that Odan was changing in and out of different times. That would be a different issue, I guess. But that also seems to be the issues they're actually trying to talk about. And they don't really, in this episode, talk about what benefits the host gets either. Yes. Like, the the host basically... Cause, and there's at one point where Odan says, this is just, uh, like, uh, this body is just a host. That 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 is me. Talking about the... Uh, the slug, and they don't ever say why, because uh, they're they've definitely got a system. The host bodies are totally happy to be the hosts. They are at the very least what we see. They aren't trying to escape. There's nothing like that. So what? What is keeping them being the hosts exactly? Yes, which is of course not something they get into right. until they have the actual characters, complex characters on Deep Space Nine. Mm. But yeah, for this, you're just like, what? You're you're asking me to accept a lot. (laughs) And this is Star Trek. It's not like, it's not like this is like House, okay? Like, (laughs) or like West Wing. You're asking me to accept a lot in this. Yeah. Which I think is is something that I kept coming up against Mm. when I was, I was like, I want to know about that. I want to know about how the host is affected in this relationship. I want to know about whether Riker is aware of what's going on. I want to know about, you know, is this an equitable relationship? You know, like these are Mm. the moral issues that I'm asking. I'm much, you know, me personally less interested in if Odan looks like a different person on the outside. Mm. Or truthfully, how Beverly Crusher feels. Like I'm interested because they've created this scenario uh, and it is something interesting, but at the same time, I'm far more interested in how their relationship dynamic actually works as opposed to how Beverly Crusher feels it should work. And maybe that's just because I've seen this story a billion times. 
But I don't know. Like yeah, I'm, no, I, I agree with that. She spends most of her time talking about, do I still love Odan, even though he's different and now in Riker and maybe going to be in someone else later, or do I not? And she actually, like, she says something about, like, what about him do I miss? Do I just miss his hands and his mouth? Because if that's all I miss, then I should give up and move on. Hmm. But if it's more than that, um, which is Fine, but it seems to ignore so many of the big questions that are raised by this relationship. Mm. And, you know, that's, of course, coming from my, you know, 2016 perspective. But even still, I feel like she's kind of missing the point mm. of, like, who this being really is. She's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. I'm like, well, you do. It's the symbiont. Except, is it? Is it also the host? Like, that, mm. the answer me that. And that, to me is a re- really reasonable thing for her to struggle with. Mm. And when she says, I don't know who I'm talking to, if you actually mean that because it's two people and then goes on to be one of the same and one different, mm. yeah, you are in some ways dating a different person when that change happens, which is different than, again, just changing the outward appearance. Mm. And I feel like, especially as a medical, like a medical practitioner, she would want to know a lot more about how this works between host and symbiote. Yes. I mean, she's the the logical science person. You yeah. want her to be the first person to ask these questions. And instead, she's just kind of like flustered about playground stuff and 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 you know, young young love or whatever. Mm. Finding out about. Deanna Troy's daddy issues. But... <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's a, that's a <laughs> I whole thing. I hear that's a whole thing. I will admit, uh, in the limited viewing that I have done, I love Deanna's mom. Oh Deanna's mom God. is probably my favorite character, other than She's Worf. amazing. <laughs> uh, but that said, uh, back to this episode. We talked a little bit about the, the final host that we know about, uh, the female host. And at that point... Beverly Crusher just kind of throws her hands up in the air and says, nope, done, nope. Yes. Uh, and I do think that they probably could have tackled the end of that issue a little bit better, because that's where a lot of the criticism that I've seen on the internet mm-hmm. comes from, is this whole thing, it's a complete missed opportunity. I, <clears throat> She definitely could have handled it a little bit better, but because, and I thought this whole thing, because when I was reading the description... Uh, I thought it was going to be from this guy into the female body. I did not know about this Riker segue. Right. And I actually get it a little bit more only because it's like, all right, she's just had to deal with all the emotional issues of, can I still love this thing if if it is in Riker and I'm figuring this out and then it's just like, there's way too much happening all at once. Uh, And that's kind of how I read her reaction, which from a trans lens is still kind of BS. And it's just that idea of like many things compounding on top of one another. So it happens, but at the same time, it's just like, ah, it's unfortunate. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the Riker thing complicates the journey so much. I agree. (laughs) And I think the thing for me that really ruins it Mm. is Okay, so we accept that she's struggling with, you know, understanding who Odan is, you know, mm. what part of 
O'Dan is she really in love with? And when you when you add in this sort of, well, was it infatuation? Like, I mean, I guess, you know, finding out that this person is physically different than you thought would certainly be a big deal if it was infatuation. Because mm. it is a you know, that's all about the mood and the, the the adrenaline and all the fun stuff and it's not really about loving the person. So so that, you know, if that was her struggle, do I love him or did I just really love, you know, being with this hot guy? I mean, because they, they make that original host is like you know, he's Starbuck, you know, he's mm. got the, the locks and the beautiful face. Like they choose someone who's very, you know, for that time period, like this very sort of like beautiful thing, mm. thing, person. I don't mean thing like that. <laughs> he's a thing. He's a host. No. Um, <laughs> he's just a host. You know, so, so, so if that was the struggle, but the problem with it is she deals with Odan as Riker. She deals with all these issues. She sleeps with the guy. She mm. has made all these decisions and come to a conclusion that we've watched her struggle with through the entire episode. She's excited for the new host to come. She turns around with that smile on her face and then it just drops. Mm. So I don't necessarily know that this is what the show was trying to say. But what visually the show is saying to me is, I can get over him being inside this guy who I view as a brother. Mm. But a woman? No, that's too much. Mm. That is the thing. I was prepared for it if it was a new man. But because it's a woman, that is the turning point to me where after I have finished my struggle, I'm not still going through it. I've made my decision. But now I'm thrown off again. Mm. Well, I'm also I'm also curious if it was instead of a woman like immediately in my head like knocked up era Seth Rogen walks in. <laughs> like, I am the host. Blah, blah. <laughs> What's up? I'm gonna be the host right, now. I mean, she's so pretty, the yeah. new host. <laughs> what are you complaining like, about? She's she's gorgeous. Yeah. Like the new host is just like, woo, okay. Right, and again, and yeah. it's not about mm-hmm. it's not about the personality. It's mm. not this question of well, you're acting very different mm. again. And that's thrown me off. I thought I was okay with it, but, you know, this host is very stoic and very, you know, removed, whereas the original host was very open, and that's what I need from a person. Mm. It's nothing like that. She literally says at the end in that little, like, speech that she gives, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not accustomed to these kind of changes. I can't keep up with these changes. How long will you have this host what would the next one be? Mm. She uses the word what. So I'm going, okay, original host, hot guy that you liked. Next host, Riker, that's kind of weird, whatever. New host, lady. God, what's next? Like a monster? Like, mm. it just gets worse every time you change. <laughs> like, that's how it felt to me. And, mm. and, and I felt like that moment of, you know what, this is too much for me wasn't really earned. It just seemed like, oh my gosh, now you have boobs and a vagina. Like, I can't deal with that. Mm. I deal with, I can deal with my brother. I can't deal with that. Mm. And, and that, I think, for me, is a place where this just, the whole thing falls apart. Mm. If you're trying to make me sympathetic to her journey or trying to say that you're not making this about gender. Because it feels like you just made it about gender mm. to me. And you didn't give me anything else to latch on to as another reason why Crusher has suddenly changed her mind about the decision that she came to. Mm. Now, if they focused, and I realize this is probably dealing with some of the stuff we talked about in the last uh, episode that we, we covered with this, where 
they didn't feel like they could get away with certain casting if they had skipped the Riker storyline and brought in the host. Because that would have been interesting enough if the host was a woman, if this woman showed up yes. instead of Riker jumping ahead, eating that expired mayonnaise. And <laughs> just... I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that. That's Please. so good. <laughs> I just picture like, it, it's, it's what he does. It's, just, it's like, yeah. fine. I'll, I'll take one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to. We can just throw it out. We have other mayonnaise. No, somebody has to eat this mayonnaise. Just give me a spoon. No, they don't. It's we... for the mission. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they threw out the Riker eats expired mayonnaise storyline <laughs> and just put in this character isn't a woman, I think we could have seen this be like a I don't know this, or if it was Troy, if they put it in Diana, right? Like that mm-hmm. would have been a very interesting twist as well because she's already dealing with the fact that this is a woman, but they had to do the quote unquote shock of it being. Uh, a female host after dealing with two male hosts, I think because when they were looking for a heteronormative audience, the heteronormative heteronormative audience would have seen that and said, oh, I get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nope. Nef, definitely can't be with a woman. Yep. Yeah. Like, I think that mm-hmm. that's true. And I believe, oh, I don't want to get my facts wrong, but I'm mm. pretty sure that the DS9, there's a DS9 episode with, um, Dax, mm-hmm. and it's not actually supposed to be, they actually talked about it, that's not supposed to be an analogy for homosexuality, mm. but they do have Dax interacting with a former lover who, where basically the two symbiotes were together before, but they're different hosts. Mm. And they like, there's this whole background where like symbiotes with new hosts aren't supposed to interact with each other again to like stop the the symbiotes from becoming too insular of a community. Like they're supposed to make sure that they go out and like spread out and don't just sort of hang out with their same buddies because the symbionts are really long lived and Mm. hosts are not. But it's actually two female hosts that you're dealing with because of course Dax is, is, um, Mm. has a female host. And I think that was the first girl on girl kiss. In Star Trek? For for Star Trek for Mm. sure. I don't know. Yeah. And so, like, that was a big deal. Mm. Um, so it, it may be one of those things where they're just like, again, like, we don't really feel like we can have our main characters kissing people of the same gender on this show mm. um, until we get to Deep Space Nine, which is, you know, later. So something mm. something like that, I guess. But I, I agree <laughs> yeah, so with you much, that, yeah. No, yeah. that it would be more interesting, for sure. And it does, it just, on the surface, it just looks like it's about gender. Mm. It's, it's, and I don't it, know that they meant for it to. Mm. And again, there's there, there's always this this reveal aspect. And, and this this is certainly a thing when you're dealing with, with, with trans stuff specifically. And it's also used, I think, more generally in, in, in a... In a whoops, it's a woman kind of way in other, in other ways. Um, mm. But this thing, like, it kind of feels like someone's going, hey, you know what would be really clever? Surprise, audience, it's a woman. You didn't see that coming. Mm. And, like, surprise, it's a woman is used as a punchline in comedy and in things you know kind of the same way it's like they're trying to make all these funny jokes they're like here's the story about this wonderful relationship i had whoops it was a daydream when i was on the playground when i was a kid like i feel like this sort of sense of like being set up a little bit which people are always accusing trans people you know what you set me up you didn't tell me the truth you like let me believe that you were something other than what you were or whatever 
And and that felt cheap mm. to me as well. And I think that's that's the reason that as much as everybody, as much as like some of the folks who are critical uh, of that criticism <laughs> will say that it's like, well, it's not technically a trans character because it's a symbiont. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, but that's why we can kind of look at it as a trans narrative because I mean, it absolutely follows. A, it's yeah, got I mean, it's a not humanly these. trans. Doesn't yeah. make it not trans. I mean, mm. there's a, there's a gendered aspect to this being that changes between hosts, mm. unless they tell us otherwise. I mean, like you want to say that the symbiote has a symbiont has its own gender that's different or more aligned with one or the other, but clearly doesn't care enough to specify one form or the other so i yeah i mean it is it is a trans being mm. but it's also a trans being with another person involved mm. which again like if that had been crusher's struggle if there had been different personalities between you know and she was like well wrecker as odan doesn't act the same i'm not sure how i feel about that mm. and then this woman comes in and acts even different more different and that's not something that i'm willing to cope with that level of personality flexibility mm. doesn't make sense to me as a human that doesn't have you know the same kind of species thing that would have been an interesting story and 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 something that i think they're you could be very sympathetic to. Mm. But that's not really the story that they told. The story they told was, this person I loved is superficially different than I thought they were, and I'm not sure if I can cope with that. Mm. And that, to me, just seems like... Superficial. Superficial <laughs> and, and transphobic. I mean, I'm jumping ahead. I, I'm sorry. I was, I was totally getting there. Yeah. No, that's fine. I was like, yep. ask me the question. I'm ready. <laughs> So, uh, Kelsey, <laughs> first off, did you enjoy it? I like I like to start there. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, not particularly. Okay. I didn't think the story was very good. I personally was much more interested in the story of uh, Odin trying to convince these people that he's still the same person. And I think actually having... Odan inside Riker in that capacity is very interesting because mm. it's not just a new host, a new face. It's a Starfleet officer, which is not what they contracted for. And like trying to have, you know, Jonathan Frakes playing Riker, playing Odan, this is, you have to listen to me and, and I want to talk to you and them struggling with that, I think is a more interesting story. Mm. I didn't find the love story very interesting. She was like, this is my new hot 10 day relationship. And I didn't really feel for her very much. Mm. Uh, so I just didn't think the story was very well laid out. So I give it like a five. Yeah, I kind of I thought it was lazy. Um, in all honesty, I thought a lot of it was just lazy writing. Yeah. Very by the numbers. Uh, I do think that there were a lot of elements of it that were fun, that I enjoyed, but not enough to really warrant. Like, this is definitely not one that I would say, like, oh, if you've never seen Star Trek Next Gen, this is the one you got to check out. No. <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think this is one that, truthfully, I feel like you could probably skip this one. I would not say that about the other one that we watched. I would not say that about... I agree. Uh, yeah, but... I think that the host you could probably skip and you would not miss a whole lot. Um, <clears throat> and I honestly, I had to say it, I don't really, I didn't really buy Jonathan Frakes. Frakes? Yeah. I don't know his real name. I believe yeah. Frakes. I, I didn't buy Riker playing 
Riker and Odan at the same time. It just felt like Riker, only he was sick sometimes. Right. I mean, he put on, like, slightly different facial expressions, Mm. and, I mean, I'm not quite sure what he was going for. Yeah. It just seemed like the show Mm. didn't care enough to talk about that. Mm. So, like, I don't think he had much direction or much Mm. in the script to do. He was was a plot point. He was was a plot point playing an ambassador, basically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not like he became a swashbuckler all of a sudden, or that he had to eat mayonnaise <laughs> right, we're, like, we're yeah. more concerned about yeah. like are they going to both live till the yeah. new hosts come yeah. and or faint before the treaty can be breached and yeah. or is crusher going to sleep with them but on the other end there are worse episodes <laughs> so <laughs> so i probably put it about the same four or five now the question everyone's been asking for the title of the podcast is it transphobic yes <laughs> Unequivocally. Unequivocally. I'm just going to go. It's yes. Okay. They made a transphobic episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, non-committal, yeah, just because, yeah, it kind of was, but at the same time, it was just like, yeah. I mean, it's not the most transphobic no, thing I've ever worse. seen by like, far. But... I don't, I don't think, I don't think you necessarily have to skip it if you're, if that's part of your criteria is just like, because I, I feel like that's part of it also is the like, I don't think you necessarily need to skip it, but at the same time, there's a lot of issues. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, watch it or don't, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's the, is it transphobic so that you would not watch it? Eh. Right. You it's don't get like anything. But you don't, yeah. or, or disturbingly. Mm-hmm. So it's just right. kind of like, really? Yeah. Guys? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got if I'm ranking it one to ten, yeah, four or five, Fair <laughs> maybe enough. a six. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely in that like mid area of transphobia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So any final thoughts? What is it with the future and the binary gender? Hmm. I feel like they run into problems with both of these because they. Again, you know, Riker saying, I've never met someone who wasn't a man or a woman, or this sort of sense of, like, rigid gender definitions. I almost feel like within the context of of the show, they're trying to say, well, we've made a big point about saying that, you know, sexism isn't a thing anymore, and the genders are equal, and no one thinks that they're not, so therefore we have to sort of stick to a binary because blurring the lines makes it seem like we're saying one's better than the other. Like, I'm not, I, I don't know if that's mm. too much extrapolation, but I kind of felt that way. It's, I, I understand this constraints of what you, the network's going to let you put on the TV, but, you know, they say, oh, well, not all women wear makeup. Well, every single woman that I saw was really heavily made up. Mm. There's this, I don't know what episode it is. In the first season, early mm-hmm. in the first season, I don't know what episode it is, in the background, we see a ostensibly male-appearing crew member mm. in the skirt uniform. Yep. They, well, and I don't remember where I heard this, so this could be completely incorrect, but um, they initially said all the uniforms are unisex. And so, including the the tunic, including that one, the, yes. the dress. And so you and he definitely looks like a dude. Like I swear, he like works out. They definitely got like a buff dude to walk around in the tunic in yeah. the first season. But they they stopped, and I don't know if that's part like, of. Like, did they get some flack for that? Yeah, like, did and I'm they... sure they must have gotten some flack. But like, whether that was the reason or whether they just because most of the people on 
the show don't wear the tunic anymore either. And the only one that it's true. You see, you see background crew members every once in a while with the the, the sort of tunic thing and the the high boots, hmm. uh, but rarely. Yeah. So it's it's. And that was a point that I was going to bring up, too. Just Hi. that whole idea of, like, yeah, no, there's... They tried really hard in that first season, as much as everyone I talk to says skip the first two seasons, which drives me nuts, because, no, I like story, and I like characters, and yeah, I like, like seeing I where characters know. develop. I want to know what's going on. Yeah. And I'm sure. so glad I did not, because I would have missed the whole Worf adopted by humans thing. Right? It's like, oh, my God, that made me love Worf. Like, that made me love Worf and so much. And it's such an like, interesting story, this yeah. sort of, like... Although they, they really do that in Star Trek. It's they're, they're, The aliens always have some tie mm. to humanity. Worf was adopted by humans. Uh, Troy is half human. Mm. Spock is half human. They they tend to shy away from like making them too alien, which is its own kind of interesting. But I do agree. Mm. Like the idea of a of a, a Klingon raised by humans. You can just <laughs> see these like nice older couple raising Worf. Like oh my god, he's doing that Klingon thing. What do we do? Our kids crazy. Well, and especially the whole like it makes Worf's decisions make so much more sense. Uh-huh. Like, way more sense when so you know that he's got a connection to humanity because he was raised by humans, but he's got Klingon urges that he needs to fulfill. Right, and, 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 uh, and uh, he cares about Klingon culture, but he actually doesn't know that much about Klingon culture. He gets mm. it wrong and gets confused sometimes, which is also really interesting. Yeah. He's, it's cool. Just Worf, Worf is my favorite. Yeah. I, respect to Data. I know there are a lot of Data heads out there. A lot of my friends love Data the best. I don't best, think but, anyone can can, uh, can argue with your yeah, choice, though. Oh, uh, I love Worf so much. <laughs> All right. So who's who's your favorite next gen character? That's what we're gonna. I don't, end I'm, on. I'm gonna be yeah. stereotypical. I'm gonna say Data. I okay. Data is my, my favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Data's wonderful. I just love that Worf though. <laughs> there. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So Kelsey. Uh, are you plugging anything? Is there a place you want people to look for you on the internet? Uh, uh, same thing. Uh, I always can be found on uh, Tor.com. I do uh, book reviews, movie reviews, op-ed pieces for them. So you can find me there, Kelsey Jefferson Barrett. Awesome. And uh, you can find me on the internet at AshleyLauringRogers.com. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, the number four. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. And for this episode, we also used clips from the Star Trek The Next Generation intro, which was composed by Alexander Courage and Jerry Goldsmith.